Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Real Reading Talk. I am your gracious host, Miss Sasha. And with Real Reading Talk, I discuss the real systemic issues that plague the Black community when it comes to low levels of literacy. All right? And not only do I discuss these issues, I also talk about ways in which we can combat these issues together. And with this particular episode, episode 24, I am going to just go right on in the subject matter that I wanted to discuss today. So make sure you all please grab your notebooks, grab your pens, pencils, whatever you choose to write with. All right, because I'm going to drop a few nuggets from this book that I just finished reading. I feel so empowered. I feel so inspired. Oh, my goodness, y'all. And the name of this book right here is called Awakening, Awakening, The Natural Genius of Black Children. And this one is the third edition. And this was written by our beloved brother who has passed on now, but he has left a beautiful legacy, Dr. Amos N. Wilson. And he is the author of The Developmental Psychology of the Black Child and Blueprint for Black Power. And with this book here, y'all, I was just so, I mean, this brother, it just shows when you all, number one, let me say this about the book. The book is not a long book at all to read, okay? The book literally is a total, and this is including the appendix, uh, This is a total of, let me see the pages. I have it right here. (laughs) Um, 130? Yeah. Yep. 130 pages, you guys. Okay. 130 pages. Well, actually, we'll say 131 because he has Appendix C, which has the recommended reading list as well. Okay. Okay. And with this book right here, I mean, first of all, the title right there alone, Awakening the Natural Genius of Black Children. And that right there just shows you how his thinking was when it, when it came to black people. And then with this particular book, he focused on black children. But of course, in the book, you can't talk about children without talking about the parents. And that's the key that I loved Uh, reading about in this book because the thing that the recurring theme of this book was support, love, uh, safety, um, spending time with your children. These were recurring themes that was all throughout this book. And I'm glad that he took that approach when he wrote this book and talking about how we could awaken that natural genius inside of our black children. Because you think about it, a lot of times, just like, for example, even, even of course, with my podcast, right? Real Reading Talk. And the whole concept of it was, to, was built around the fact that we know that that whole aspect of low levels of literacy in our community. That aspect of, in our community, we have 
high amounts of illiteracy. We have people who are walking around and as we call it, being functionally illiterate. So they, ba- they barely can read over a third and fourth grade level. But again, just like how I talk about in the introduction of my podcast, all of these things did not start just, you know, because of the fact this is just innate. This is something that's just a part of us as black people. No, it did not. It's a history behind that. Okay, there's a background. There's a backstory. And until we actually address all of the issues in which how we got to this place, we're never going to solve the problem. And that's why I appreciate our dear brother, Dr. Amos Wilson, because that's what he was about. He was about making sure that we address the actual core, the foundation of the issues that we have in our community. And he's always talked about how we can solve these problems ourselves. If only we just believe. If only we just change the mindset. And that's what I appreciate what he did in this book. So what I did was I wanted to uh, just have you all write down three of the things in which he discussed in this book that was key, but it was very simple in terms of how we can awaken that natural genius that's already inside of our black children. And one of the things that he mentioned was making sure that the parents, before you even have children, before you even start thinking about having children, making sure that you try your best to surround yourself with a lot of positivity when it comes to your environment, when it comes to uh, being healthy, the things that you are eating, making sure that you are doing things like reading things, that are, that are uplifting, that are positive, making sure that you as the parents, mother and father, have that mindset before you even start having children. Taking care of your body, taking care of your mental state. So these are things in which he talked about in the book. So make sure that you write that down. And that's very key. And what I thought, and I love that fact is because even though we, you know, a person can say, okay, well, that might be something that, yeah, a lot of people know. But a lot of times I believe that folks try to skip over that part. But I believe that if we continue to drive that message home, if we make sure that we are saying that to our parents, to our young people, that's why we start early those of us who have children and say hypothetically, say if you may not have, you know, had a, had your child, you know, in a marriage union or say you may have had your child young and you're listening to this podcast and you had no support. All right. Say if you're a single mother, but guess what? You can change the mindset. You can begin to break those generational uh, traumas that we pass down in the black community with your children that you have right now and let them know and, and tell your children how uh, brilliant they are. 
Put it in their minds right now. Letting them know, yes, you are brilliant. Giving them healthy foods as much as possible. Making sure that they are understanding that when it comes to them eventually becoming parents, the things that they should be trying to do to prepare before they even become parents. So it's not like this, these things cannot be done, even though you may, your own self as a parent, you may not have started in that uh, healthy uh, mindset, but you can begin to teach your children that. And so, again, like I said, that's number one, telling the parents to make sure that they have a healthy mindset, starting that out before you even begin to have children. That's the thing that he was definitely stressing. Do these things before you have children. And then number two, the next thing that he talked about was providing, and this is, of course, after you have your children, providing a supportive safe, healthy environment. I'm going to repeat that. Providing a supportive, safe, healthy environment. And he talked about how having those aspects, and he gave a lot of different research throughout the book. He gave a lot of different, you know, uh, researchers that uh, he uh, mentioned in the book, a lot of different studies that talked about children who were uh, researched and who were studied in different preschools, and how those children who came from environments where it was safe, where it was supportive, those environments were the, was where the children were able to thrive educationally, linguistically. Their whole mindset, they were able to, and he even talked about the fact of how these children later on in some studies, when they were taking those tests, and how they were able to succeed in those tests and how their IQ scores were a lot higher. Now, again, I'm not, you know, this, it's not about the fact for me uh, in terms of, and I'm quite sure, you know, and even just listening to Dr. Amos Wilson, it wasn't about the fact of, okay, yeah, we want to make sure the IQ scores are great and their, their test scores. No. And when you read the books by Dr. Amos Wilson, and when you go to listen to his lectures, he definitely is not that, was not that kind of brother. All right. He understood that whole aspect of, you know, the standardized tests and how, you know, a lot of those tests we already know um, are racist, you know, from in, you know, in their inception. All right. From the beginning. OK. And so we already know that. So but what he was saying is that if you want to go by that standard. And then when you look at just like if you're looking at anything, if somebody sees success in something, you want to see, well, how what things did they do to become successful? Right. And so if a person is going to say, well, success is achieved if I'm able to have a high IQ or if I'm able to pass all of these tests, then he looked at what researchers were talking about in terms of, okay, so these are the different aspects that got to success, supportive home environment safe home environment. And notice, again, like I said, it starts at home. And that's the thing that I appreciate about this book. He was talking about things at home. And even when he, when I, which, when I'll go into the, um, the next one, um, as a matter of fact, I'll just go ahead and go right now. Number three, simple as this. He talked about talking to the child and reading to the child. And 
add to that list, y'all, how you don't worry about trying to find all these expensive toys and paying for expensive educational programs for your child either. And he talked about that in the book, how the parents of these children who tend to be successful in terms of not just even educationally, but just being centered adults who have the aspect of hope and who are thriving. He talked about how they come from homes in which you had parents who were supportive, parents who were engaging. They read to their children. They talked to their children. They listened to their children as well. All of this in this big old gumbo, (laughs) okay, if you will, when it comes to awakening that natural genius in that black child, all of these things have to take place in order for our children to see the genius inside of them. And I thought, and I, and I was just reading, I'm like, even though he gives, you know, like I said, a lot of the research and studies and all of that, but as you're listening, I know you all are thinking like, really, that's it? Literally. And he gave other things, but those were just like three key things because I believe that I like to give things either in threes or in fives because I think that uh, five, number one, is my <laughs> my favorite number. And also, two, um, I think a lot of times people tend to remember lists that are shorter. Okay, so I usually, if I'm going to give a list, it's either going to be a list of three or five. And then I may give a bonus or something uh, sometimes as well. But I thought that those aspects, again, like I said, these were crucial because, number one, these were recurring themes throughout the book. And I thought, I said, wow, I'm like, as, as you know, down to uh, earth as those <laughs> different uh, things that we can apply, they're so simple, but yet they're so crucial. And then when you think about it, a lot of times in the black community, these are things, and again, this is real reading talk, these are things in which we miss those opportunities, in a lot of our homes, okay? You know, let's take, for example, uh, reading to the children and talking to the children. How many times, and just keep it real with yourself, how many times, can you think about the last time that you've read to your child before they went to bed? Or the last time that you engaged in a, a, a conversation with your child in which you were listening to what they had to say about things. And then you were talking and, get, and you guys are just, you know, having a great dialogue. You got to ask yourself, when's the last time you were able to have that? And in a lot of homes, it's not because the parents don't want to. It's because of how the society has been set up. And in particular, when it comes to black people. Because we know a lot of black folks, they tend to have jobs in which They're gone majority of the day. And as we know, that's why we have this school system, which really for real, for real, the school system in a big way is like a glorified babysitter. Let's keep it 100. Keep it real. All right. You know, your child is in this classroom a lot of times with a teacher that can't stand them. Okay, and then don't let your child be on the darker uh, side. And starting to get bigger. And y'all parents know what I'm talking about, especially my parents of my boys. 
when your boys start getting a little bigger and they start hitting that fifth grade mark and they start growing and sixth grade voices start getting a little more bass. And then they got that lily white teacher, you know, in the front of the room. And she's like always nervous and intimidated by him. And he can feel it because, yes, our children can see and feel the vibes that you've given off. So if you're giving off that vibe of you ain't really trying to feel them, you don't want to be bothered, they can tell. And so these are things in which our babies have been exposed to. And so, again, like I said, when it comes to the parents not being able to have those types of conversations with our children because we're constantly working or um, and then when we do get our children, when it's a lot of times it's five or six o'clock in the evening, then you get home. You already know in a couple of hours they got to get ready for bed. And then to top it off, they got boatloads of doggone homework in in their backpacks. They got to read 50,000 pages, write down a whole bunch of words, whole bunch of math problems. They falling asleep. You mad because they falling asleep because they didn't complete their homework. And then they get to school. They turn in homework and it's not, that's not completed. Turning it to the teacher. Next thing you know, this happens for about a week or two. Then Miss Becky is like, um... Shaquita, I'm sorry, but uh, Jamal, he did not turn in all of his homework. A lot of his homework is incomplete. You know the story. You know the spiel. Y'all know what it sounds like. And so, again, like I said, when I was reading this book, I was just like, wow, man. I said, again, it's just a reminder of how as black folks, Number one, we got to really, really, really seize this opportunity, seize the moment, especially during this pan plan, whatever demic you want to call it. We got to seize the moment when we have an opportunity to have our children at home with us. Please make sure that you are interacting with your children, talking to your children, reading to your children. And one thing, let me add this too. this is what uh, I put. I circled this and I put that part. This is something right here as black parents, we have to make sure that we're not doing. All right. He said, communicate with the child in a manner appropriate to his developmental level and permit him or her to express feelings, desires and needs without fear of abusive responses. And I put under there that part. And that part right there, that definitely hit home for me. And I think about, um, you know, just experiencing, you know, when you're growing up and especially in the black community, you know, a lot of times we have had the notion of a child must stay in a child's place. And if an adult makes a decision or if adult says this, then that's just what it is. I remember being told you ain't got no opinion. Okay. And again, like I said, when I give examples of how I grew up, I don't give these examples to try to knock my parents and try to make it seem as though, oh, my goodness, man, they were just these horrible people. I believe truly that black people, we are uh, victims, again, of being in a system that was meant to traumatize us. And we are dealing with trauma on a daily basis. 
And as the saying goes, hurt people hurt people. And the way you parent is the way you were parented. And so when you have parents who may say things like, do as I say, not as I do, or you ain't got no opinion, or what, what did I say? I told you to eat that and that's what it is. And if you don't, I'm going to tear you up. I'm going to bust you upside the head. All of these things. I remember hearing these things. I remember saying these things, especially to my oldest child, my oldest couple of children, thinking that, well, you go off on your kid. You say, you know, that that's what you do. You building in them toughness, right? You going off. You letting them know you mean business. All of this stuff. And also to the whole notion of, well, I said, I have my opinion and I said, this, and, and it goes this way and that's, it is what it is. I can't listen to what you have to say and what you have to add to the conversation. And don't misconstrue it with, of course, if your child, you tell your child, you, of course you have to have boundaries, right? So if you tell your child to clean up your room, or excuse me, clean up his or her room, yes, clean up your room. You're setting the boundary, you're setting, and you're setting those tones, you should be, because of the fact you are demonstrating that by what? You're making sure your house is clean, you're making sure you're doing these things. They're seeing that. So quite naturally, it's going to be a lot easier for them to see and understand that, okay, mommy means business, daddy means business, they want me to clean up my room. But say hypothetically, if you have an issue where, for example, say if you try to uh, introduce your child to, you wanted them to try a new vegetable, asparagus, and say you're like, okay, you know what, I wanted asparagus is for dinner, asparagus, uh, rice, and baked chicken. And say they get that asparagus and it's like, uh, they're not feeling it. And they're, they're looking at it like, like, oh, my God. Don't go off on them and, and start, if you don't need that asparagus, you know, you're going to be sitting at the table for forever. You're going to be on punishment. And it's like, that's not going to get them to eat the asparagus, okay? Either one or two things are going to happen. Either they're going to eat it. And gag on it and probably get sick afterwards, which is really going to be defeating the purpose because now they're going to really have a negative attitude towards asparagus. Or they may try to be, you, you may, they may be that kid. You know how you have that child who's that stubborn one and they'll wait you out <laughs> and they sit there at the table like, okay, mm-hmm, or whatever. And then you might got to wind up resorting to you want to go off on them and, and, and hit them and punish them and all of that. But a way to, to remedy that you could just simply say, I would like for you to try it. Keisha, just try this asparagus. If you don't like it, you still have to eat vegetables. I'll give you another green vegetable in its place. There's nothing wrong with that. It's nothing. You don't have to feel like that your child won. Oh, my goodness. You're the parent. You're the one who's supposed to be in charge and control. You are showing that you are, you are in control. Because you are, again, you're showing that child that it's okay, just like Brother uh, Amos Wilson said in the book. It's okay for your child to express feelings, desires, and needs without fear of abusive responses. 
They should not feel like, oh my God, just because you absolutely love asparagus or you absolutely love okra. <laughs> I'm laughing because I still can't stand okra. <laughs> and, I was told, and I was definitely told, I better eat that okra. And I still can't stand it. But anyway, <laughs> this in the home, y'all. But the thing is, is that what you are letting that child know is that it's okay for you to have your own opinion about something, especially something about a, a vegetable choice. You're not letting your child off the hook by saying, okay, no, you ain't got to never eat no green vegetables ever in your life. No, you're not saying that to your child. You're just simply saying, hey, look, I wanted to expose you to another vegetable. Okay, we eat a lot of Uh, you know, green beans a lot or broccoli. So I wanted to expose you to something different. And right there is at least it's giving them the opportunity to feel like, okay, I have a, I have some control over my opinions. I don't feel, I don't have to feel like that. I have to be subjected to all of the desires um, and the different things that my parents like. I don't have to feel like I have to like every single thing that they like. And that's building a healthy whole child, believe it or not. Now they don't have to feel like they are many yous. They're not a mini mommy or a mini daddy. They are, they're an extension of you, but they're not a little version of you, if you will. And so, again, like I said, you know, this book right here, as simple as these tips that I gave you all, and I'm going to do a quick recap. The first one was... You know, again, the mindset uh, of the parent, making sure that parent before you even have children, making sure that you yourself are taking care of yourself mentally, get that healing that you need. All right. Making sure that you're putting healthy things in your body, because remember, especially, you know, for, you know, especially for that mother, you carrying that baby, all of those things are going inside that child. So if you got a lot of bitterness and trauma that you have not dealt with, You know, those are things you want to take care of before you start trying to have children. All right. And we wonder why, you know, a lot of times people want to say, oh, okay, well, this child, you know, they tripping and all of that. You know, a lot of it we got to look at, well, why is the child tripping? You know, we can't just say that child is not is not doing these things that they should be doing or doing or making these bad choices just on their own. Remember, they came from somewhere. They learned it from somewhere. They got that energy from somewhere. Number two, again, in the book, supportive home environment, safe home environment, warm home environment, having those things already for your children. And then number three, talking to your child, reading to your child. All of these things is all related to reading and education. Because again, we want to build in our children The aspect of when they are reading, when they are learning, they want to feel that they are doing these things with purpose, not that they are learning to read so that it's linked to some tests. Okay, so we definitely don't want them to have that. That's why. And and as we see, that methodology ain't working anyway. I mean, real talk. Is that is that really working? If it was working, then we wouldn't be dealing with the issues that we're dealing with now uh, when, when it comes to. Um, the low, the levels of literacy that we're dealing with, low levels of literacy that we're dealing with. All right. So it goes, you know, deeper than us. Just keep trying to tell that child, oh, yes, you know what I'm saying? You read and you study and you're going to do good on this test. And it's going, 
No, 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 no. That ain't working. All right. And as the old saying goes, okay, if, you know, uh, insanity, um, what is it? Uh, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. All right. So as we see, just like if you see in your own life, you keep doing something over and over again and you see it's not working. I'm quite sure you're going to say, you know what? I'm about to try this new, new way. <laughs> Heck, I'm going to give it a shot because this old way I've been doing about 50 times, it ain't happening. All right, y'all, I'm going to stop there. I uh, believe you all got the point. And whatever you didn't get, I hope that you listen to this podcast again so that hopefully you can get the point the second or third time around. And now I'm going to leave you all with a quote from this book as well. All right, where's my quote at? Where's my quote? Uh, I had it, I had it. See, that's why I'm supposed to be prepared. See, how come I'm not prepared, y'all? I'm prepared. It's just that I lost the page. <laughs> um, I wanted to give this quote by... I thought it was so, um, well, I'll say this quote right here because it has different quotes. This one says, a day in school will profit you for its work endures like the mountains. All right. And this is a quote that says ancient Kemet. All right. Ancient Kemet. All right. So uh, again, a day in school will profit you for its work endures like the mountains. And again, school not Please, you know, school starts at home. All right. So when you change that mindset and understand that, I'm not talking about that that school building that's in your neighborhood. I'm talking about at your house. Change that mindset. Our education starts at home. You are your child's first teacher, mama and daddy. Remember that. Believe that. Don't let these people continue to fool you and try to make you feel like, oh, my God, I'm the kid's substitute teacher. I'm, no, you're not. I read that in an article and they were talking about the home, you know, this whole aspect of virtual learning. And they got a picture of a black man looking all like he just defeated. I'm sitting up here like, really? Stop with the propaganda. Stop it. This is ridiculous. Really? We know how to teach our babies. Let's act like we do. All right, y'all, you have been listening to another episode of Real Reading Talk. I am your gracious host, Miss Sasha. And please remember to keep reading for at least 30 minutes a day, y'all. Thank you for listening. Please share. Peace.